0: Today's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast covers Miguel Cabrera's milestone, 3,000 hits, Shohei Otani's iconic starting performance, the youngsters of the MLB, Jesus Lazardo and Wander Franco and how their hot streaks have started and also covers the last top 10 power rankings. And me and Alex, of course, take a deep dive into the 10th place team. Are they real or are they fakers? We'll, deep, we'll take a deep dive in right now.
1: Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, and he was a total stud on his D3 college team. And this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. what is going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the two tools baseball podcast just a bit of a disclaimer guys i uh, have the sniffles today i have a bit of a runny nose so i thought it was the suds if if, uh, that's that's true travis didn't get the reference not a not a spongebob guy but i uh i in case my voice sounds a little off that's why but we're gonna keep the content coming regardless um travis we're gonna start this week off with a kind of a big headline topic that was a big deal in baseball for the last uh, week or so. And that is because Miguel Cabrera joined the 3,000 Hits Club. Of course, last season was the 500 home run club for him. So he hit both these big milestones within, you know, the same 162-game span. Uh, an elite exclusive club, only a handful of guys. All of them are Hall of Famers or steroid people. So, um it almost secures his Hall of Fame status that much more, even though we knew he was getting in even last season. So one day he'll be able to have that prestigious honor. But Travis, give me your overall reaction to that, you know, 3,000 hits and, and what that means for Miggy. And then we'll also talk about who we think might be next in that club. Yeah, so uh,
0: big 3,000, Miguel Cabrera. I, You know, I think he's he's up there with in the 20s or the 30th something player that's gotten to 3000 hits so it's a club that's very um it's it's definitely expanding a lot more um and you know honestly a lot of analysis have been talking uh, about you know the next what the next 10 years go you know look like we'll get more into that but it could be a club that a lot you, you really don't see too many players going into at least in the next decade or so because of how everyone is so power driven in their approach right. nowadays but 3000 hits very very cool thing for Miguel Cabrera to do He's honestly off to a very good start this season so far. I think he's already he has a 319 average, um, already 15 hits on the season. So he's he's really kind of picking up the slack uh, so far, you know, the first month of the season. Um, you know, you look at him and Pujols, very big comparisons there. Pujols really never had a start like that to really get, uh, you know, a season off. Uh, 319 batting average. Pujols was always near this 260 to 240 uh, average, at least the last five years or so. But uh, Miguel Cabrera, 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, the seventh player to be in the 3,500 club, which is a very, very exclusive list. Uh, guys like Aaron, Arod, Albert Pujols, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmero and Eddie Murray are joined now by Miguel Cabrera. So really exclusive list. It really puts together two different skill sets, putting the ball in play in contact with also power. Great hitters like Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Robinson. The list goes on. Never, ever accomplished this uh, exclusive club, as you'd call it. Um, so really honestly awesome to see Miguel Cabrera capture that as being just a pure Hall of Fame contact hitter and also a pure Hall of Fame power hitter um, checking the stats right now I know I'm I'm, I'm always big on these kind of like these little exclusive clubs Pujols and Arod are the only people in the history of the game to be in the 3500-2000 club the 2000 is the RBIs Miguel Cabrera right now is sitting at I think 1809 so he has Ooh. less than 200 RBIs to go it'll get interesting to see it. if maybe he finishes career with the Tigers, or if he wants to, of course, expand and try to get another milestone, that of course would be a very exclusive club. And it'd be very interesting that it's something that's been accomplished by guys only in the twenty first century. That's yes. that, that, to me, that's that's very eye-opening that no one in the nineteen hundreds, no one, you know, before two thousand was really, you know, considered to do that kind of kind of you know stuff when we saw guys in the 20s and the 30s go off and have insane numbers but that'd be a really cool club to be a part of A-Rod and Miggy um two guys that we grew up watching Alex being a part of this insane exclusive club so uh really cool milestone that he was able to accomplish and uh yeah just trying to of course uh you know lead his team to uh to a winning season I know all the um all the remarks of the past week when he didn't get 3,000 he was always saying you know hey, we lost the game. Why are you guys talking about me? We lost the game. So winning, of course, is the main uh, factor in his mind. He does not care about good, his yeah. Yeah, milestone hits. But, of course, also you want to take time to uh, recognize it's a special milestone that he just broke. So uh, any thoughts on, on Miggy in the last week? Yeah,
1: yeah you uh, brought up that cool RBI, um, I guess, additional criteria, and it makes that club even smaller. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he gets there. It'll probably be strictly based on if he gets the play time. Um, in the next couple seasons other things that uh I guess are worth note he also has a 310 career batting average so if you also instead of the RBI thing if you make it has to be above 300 batting yep. average it shrinks the club in a different way as well and so that's also kind of another cool um I guess tidbit as to a career accolade that he's currently going through right now but Travis let's uh switch over to saying which uh active player do we think is going to be the next person? To enter the 3,000 hits club, I have a list here of active (laughs) players. This was a few days ago, so um, if a player had a couple hits since then, it might be a little bit different. But overall, it's going to be a very similar list. So Miggy, 3,000, of course, and Pools already well past that. Looking down below, Miggy, Robbie Cano is third. He's at a 26:30 um he's 39 years old he's actually the same age as Mickey, which yeah. it seems i thought he'd be younger but i guess yeah. it's just not the way case. less
0: years or 17 years compared to miggy's 20
1: so yeah yeah if if uh, if not for the suspensions he may have had a chance i think he's got no chance yachty is like about 800 something away at 839 he's got no chance vado is 38 just a barely uh 2035 hits no chance nelson cruz is 41 not close no chance <laughs> Andrews is 1875 career hits uh, And is only 33 I don't think he's good enough Unfortunately he really fell off um, I, I, but, think, I think he'll be lucky if he stays in the league five more years I think that'd be very lucky
0: for him um, But
1: it's just interesting that he's only 33 Like it just yeah. seems wrong Like yeah. it seems like I thought he'd be much older Because he was such a key player in 2010, like, you know, a, Rangers A decade, a decade yeah. ago he was a really key player mm-hmm. If he stayed in that form uh, for this last decade, maybe it'd make more sense. But Andrews, also I think we both agree, is it probably not. McCutcheon is 35 and has is at 1838. He's a, probably not as well. Longoria is 36 years old at 1818 career hits. Um, I think we're still in agreement, probably not. And then we get to our first guy who we think probably has a decent chance, um at least a somewhat realistic chance and that's jose altuve who's age 32 and has 1783 career hits so looking at uh i guess his skill set i feel like he just probably has the ability to stick around in the league for a long time Mm -hmm. just because he i can just easily see him being a 40 year old who's still batting like 280 and like uh runs decent speed he's just really got really good bat on ball skills um give me your take i think on atuve um and his chances to make that club
0: yeah he's he's shown a lot of uh injuries the last couple years i would say that's one thing that could hurt him um very athletic guy likes to of course you know get dirty run down the line that can of course lead to injuries little you know knickknacks here or there uh throughout his career um also wondering you know i i i i Truthfully, I don't know. I I don't know if Altuve really plays till age 40. Um, I I feel like maybe some teams will not want to, of course, pursue a guy like him just with his background, all that kind of stuff that happened years ago. I know it's, you know, it's been a couple, five years ago, but, you know, I think people still, of course, are not going to want to pursue a guy like him. Um, And I can see him, of course, battling with injuries. But, of course, he has the speed, very good contact guy. Um, he would be definitely a good uh, person to bet money on to get to 3,000 hits or at least be the next guy. Um, and I know you mentioned Kano, Alex, and I know he's 39. It's it's kind of a remarkable, you know, 39 years old, so close. But yet again, I feel like it's also so far. Um, I'm I'm not 100% ruling him out just because he has one more year after this year on his contract, I believe. He's a free agent in 2024, And so possibly the Mets try and trade him for something. Of course, it's kind of like the, you know, Upton, Miguel Cabrera, Pujols contract, if you'd will. It's going to be a lot of money in the back end. I'm guessing most teams will not want to pick him up. But then, of course, the Mets will have to do something. Maybe they, of course, eat a lot of his contract and just get him out of there to a team that might want to play him. He could potentially finish out his career as a first baseman or a DH, play a couple more years, try to get to 3,000 hits. We'll see. Um, But it's definitely going to be a tough road for him to get through. Um, I made this remark to you, Alex, I think it was a week back, but, um, I actually am still high on Freddie Freeman, uh, 13 years in the league. He's age 32 right now. Uh, 1725 is what I have for number of hits. Um, for me, Freddie is just a pure contact kind of guy. I think that His comparison to me right now is kind of like almost like an Eddie Murray uh, when I look at his uh, just basically when I compare him to Hall of Fame first baseman's guys that don't have insane pop, even though Murray had 500 home runs, Freeman will not be hitting 500 home runs in his career. But Freeman does have that kind of uh, just consistently good contact, sprays the ball throughout the whole entire field, which I really like with Freddie Freeman. So um, he's a guy that I will not rule out. Um just quite yet. Uh, you know, so far everything's been going well. Last season was a very good season. This season, of course, still young. Uh, but Freddie Freeman I could still see being coming coming very, very close to that 3,000 hits. Plays first base. His body should be, you know, aging nicely. Uh m- much different than Altuve, where Altuve, if he's playing middle infield, that of course will beat him up for a long time. But we've seen so many guys play middle infield and still play well into their forties. Uh, that could be the same thing for Altuve, but um yeah. Freddie Freeman. I still like Alex. And then I uh, go even going down the list even more. I think it's 20 and 21. Basically the main realistic guys that we can really see being at this, uh, at this club possibly one day. And that's Mike Trout and Manny Machado, uh, Trout 30, Machado 29, both guys over 1400. I know it still seems like a far, uh, far away number. You're you're not even halfway there yet, but you're asleep, at least still in your 20s, or you're at age 30, where you have a full decade to go. Um, the big thing, of course, Trout is the injury bug. Is he going to be able to stay on the field for a hundred and you know forty games every single year? And then, of course, Machado, um, he'll have you know probably one of the best shortstops if he stays there, uh, right next to him for you know the next decade. So uh, he'll have a lot of support, and uh, you know, it, it, with him, it's just of course staying healthy and staying consistent. Um, he actually made a nice rebound. I like what he's done the last couple seasons. I feel like when he left Baltimore, went to the Dodgers and then went to the Padres, he kind of got forgotten, but I think he's made a good rebound. Those are the two guys, of course, are the young ones that would be a, uh, probably the, 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 the favorites out of the young bunch going forward after them. You really just have a bunch of guys that are in their thirties, um, that really probably have no chance at all. If you're not halfway there and you know, you're, you're 32, I, I really can't see you getting, you know, getting 3,000 hits to finish off at your age 40 season. Of course, it really depends on a lot of these guys where they finish off um, with their ages. Some guys can play, you know, 44 years old. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I think it really depends on some of, those, some of those guys. I highlight Altuve. I highlight Freddie Freeman. I highlighted Machado and Trout. Those are my four guys I'd keep an eye on for the next decade to see what they can do.
1: Cool. Yeah, I think that those are all good guys to note. Um Comparing Altuve and Freeman, both are age 32 season here. Altuve is just about 50 or so, 60 or so hits ahead of Freeman. Um, I do agree with your point that I guess if I had to bank on one of those two guys having like a higher games played per season for the rest of their career, I would probably bet on Freeman just being a first baseman, can easily transition to being a DH in a handful of years. Um For that reason, I expect him to stay in the field a bit more than Altuve. Um, However, um, we kind of discussed this before. I'm just not. I'm just. I would lean towards no on Freeman making it. I just think that. um, I think I looked up what he would have to do to get there, and it just seems like a hundred and like sixty hits for the next like seven seasons or something like that. It just seems like. um, I mean, if one of those seasons goes badly, it probably ruins his chances. Um, You know. I want to, you know, of course, knock on wood, he stays healthy and on the field and all that. Um, but, you know, he got his ring, he got his MVP, and now he has his big contract. I'm not saying he's going to take his foot off the gas because I'm sure he's a competitor. He wants to win in LA, I'm sure. I'm just saying that I think that um, he's had a very nice long prime, and it's probably getting close time to start kind of the fade out a little bit. Um, the contact could still stay, of course, but I think the power starts to dip a bit. Um, Maybe gets less and less uh, plate appearances in, you know, three or four or five years from now. Um, Same goes for Altuve, though. So both those guys, I think, are they're in the bubble where it's realistic. But I'm not sure I'd say it's more likely than not. So um, they'll they'll be very fun to track, though, of course, um, as they kind of get closer and closer in the next few seasons. Um, Actually, next several seasons, you, you should probably say. But I like that you highlighted those other two. Uh, Trout and Machado. I actually do think if I had to pick one person and bet money as saying this is my pick for the next 3,000 hit club guy, I would put my money on Manny Machado. Manny Machado is currently, like you said, um, about halfway there, and he's 29 he did start young, so I gave him a good head start, um, and he has to kind of keep the pace up. That's always nice, yeah. One note, this is a tweet from John Morosi about Machado. Uh, he actually has the most games played of anyone since 2015 in the MLB. Wow. That is going to be huge yeah. in making this club or not, is can you stay on the field? Um, he turns 30 uh, this July, so he's on great pace, I'd say. Um, with that in mind... Uh, I still don't know if it's more likely than not that he makes it because eventually, I think down the line somewhere, he probably becomes like a first baseman, maybe. Um, Just knowing the way that, you know, uh, these great, great defenders are going to lose an edge a bit at some point here. But um, I still think that he uh, brings a lot of value and has always had a good, you know, hit tool to him. And uh, the average has never been like a really big drop off at any point. in a while. So I think he's a really good choice. My money would be on Trout not making the club. I think that it's possible that with old age, he keeps the average up. But if I had to, if I had to predict at some point of what's going to fall off for Trout between his contact or his power, I think the power is more likely to stay than the contact. I think when he's like a 37, 38 year old, like corner outfield slash DH type, like that's going to come eventually. Um, you know, you don't see many forty-year-old center fielders, but yeah, um, so yeah. towards the end of his contract, which you know, we're imagining he's gonna finish. You know, it's it, it's good for him to make a club like this because he has a guaranteed contract until he's like past forty. So it's like that's a really good deal to be on when you're trying to make all-time clubs because you're being paid to play for all that time. So um, he will be in lineups, of course. And as a DH slash corner outfielder type when he's like 38, 39, 40, I think that he um, is more likely to be like a 260, 250 hitter with like still hitting 35, 40 homers than the other way around being like a 300 hitter with like 20 homers. I think it's more likely he kind of sacrifices some contact for the power, especially because the speed pie dips off a bit at some point too. Um, I don't want to, you know, act like I am know what's in his future, but... I,
0: I was going to say, looking at his numbers right now, Alex, I mean, <laughs> we're... We are seeing, I mean, I know the season's still early, 13 games in, but, you know, I know most of, you know, America's kind of been highlighting Trout right now. The start that he's been on is, is, it's monstrous right now. I oh, mean, absolutely. 1.132 OPS right now is, he, is, he's, is stellar.
1: He's, he's proved to people that he, um, even though he's now 30, he is still, uh, he, he is in his prime still. He gets on base in his sleep. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's not even
0: a question mark anymore that this guy will walk a ton, He'll beat out, you know, infield singles. He'll get base hits.
1: He'll hit a. Last night we saw him. Runs. Yeah. Last night, Travis, we saw a Trout hit a blooper, just barely got out, swing. Of, out, out of the reach of the first baseman, dribbles down the right field line into kind of no man's land, and runs as hard as I've seen him run. Gets a triple, easy triple, uh,
0: easy triple for him. So you know that, that that big body is still running very well. I think Angel fans and you know. You and I are probably thinking, oh, crap, oh, crap. Don't, you know, don't do something stupid at, like, you know, one of the turns on the base path. But, uh, I mean, he's still putting up not monster numbers. I would totally agree with you, Alex. I don't think 3,000 hits is in Mike Trout's, uh, you know.
1: You think it's less likely than it it, is? It's not going to happen. I mean,
0: you look at his, even his first 10 years, um, he only, he capped 180 hits twice in his first, you know, 12 11 seasons uh in the major league. So with that, I do not see that happening. He of course is a guy that will easily be on track for 500 600 home runs possibly uh for his career. So of course, you'll take that any day where you'll have the power as a center fielder um and, and of course with him, the walks come easily for him. So he'll be a guy that's going to be sacrificing, you know, getting base hits Rather than, of course, uh, you know, or actually getting walks rather than getting base hits. Absolutely. um, Being a patient hitter.
1: As he gets older, I think that's even more of a thing because when you lose some of the speed, when you um, have to start sacrificing things, I think the thing that's easy to kind of keep around is that great eye. And when the pitch is right in the middle, he's going to be able to blast it still. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. So, so with that in mind, Travis, we will keep moving on. Uh, Shohei Otani, Travis, had a perfect game bid through I believe six was it six innings yeah and uh it was six yeah. it was broken up I think he still was like a two-hitter game for the Angels as a staff because eventually Shohei got pulled don't need him to overwork himself getting a complete game in when he's you know has such a big workload as a starting pitcher and a hitter but Travis give me your thoughts on I guess Shohei as a pitcher this season so far and then uh I'll throw a question for you
0: yeah broken up by the ex-teammate jason castro so i guess it's kind of That's cheating right. because uh jason castro probably knows otani he's better caught than him anyone. before yeah so he knows exactly what to expect from shohei but still was a nice you know it, it's funny even the hit was just a bloop single so it was nothing hit hard you know shohei still pretty much fooled him but of course castro was able to get the uh the barrel of the bat out there and was able to you know fling it somewhere into the uh, center field but uh yeah i mean what a insane game we saw that game was highlighted for you know a couple days by you know MLB Twitters a bunch of other fan pages talking about you know just how that how special that game was for Otani 12 strikeouts um so far this season he's faced the Astros twice and in two games Alex he has I think it's 21 strikeouts. That's nuts. Against the Astros. And I think it's only 11 innings pitched. So you're almost doubling strikeouts per innings pitched against the Houston Astros lineup. So again, they,
1: they are, Travis. Insane. I, I say it a lot. They're one of the best lineups. But the thing that really stands out is they do not strike out very much at all. There are other great lineups with great power that do strike out quite a bit, like the Yankees. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of teams aren't afraid to strike out. Even the Dodgers, you know, Bellinger even though he's on his hot streak, he strikes out 30% of the time yeah. very consistently. So some of the best power hitting teams in baseball strike out a ton. The Astros are kind of famous. Altuve, Gurriel really strike out. Brantley absolutely never strikes out, but show I got him, I think a couple times. Yeah. Brantley got really upset about it. Broke his batter. So something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keep going, please. Yeah. So uh, just, I mean, a, I mean,
0: just an insane performance had, of course had a hiccup second game of the season at Texas. Um, was kind of an interesting... I, I think he literally just kind of made a couple mistakes. The big the big one was just the grand slam he gave up, I think, in the second inning. Uh, Jonah Heim for the Texas Rangers hit a grand slam against him. That, of course, really affected the ERA. But so far, I mean... All the numbers still look very good. It just shows that he can still dominate the Houston Astros right now, which of course is going to be so huge for the Angels going down the stretch. Oh, yeah. Having a pitcher that pretty much has their numbers so far this season. Um we saw him opening day against the Astros, Alex. I think it was it was it was four and two-thirds innings, nine strikeouts. Now, of course, this was six innings pitched. 12 strikeouts so um just i mean just incredible stuff we're seeing so far he's starting uh this wednesday tomorrow you guys are probably listening to this uh you know tomorrow on Wednesday so he'll be pitching today tonight against the uh, Cincinnati or not Cincinnati Reds the Cleveland Guardians so of course expect a good performance there from him but uh, yeah I I mean it's nice to see him kind of coming into his own as a pitcher I was always wondering to see after last season would he transition into having almost a better pitching season than a hitting season or would he become a better hitter and a worse pitcher right now of course it's young and early in the season but we're definitely seeing I think a better pitcher than last year and slightly a worse hitter but I'm not going to blame him for that we've had some We've had some managerial, I think some bad decisions so far with where he's hitting in the lineup, but I think Shohei will definitely pick up the slack as the season goes on. But of course, it, you know, it's only, you know, he's only had 70 at-bats so far this season, but so far two starts, he's looked incredible. Very encouraging to see for Angels fans because we need that horse. We need that ace to uh, to really make us have a strong push for uh, October. But Otani is proving to be that guy so far right now. Um, and again, against one of the best lineups that's the one of the most encouraging things he's not he's not facing the Pittsburgh Pirates the Arizona Diamondbacks. those aren't those aren't the starts that we're seeing right there he's facing the Houston Astros the AL pennant winners um really really extraordinary to see Alex anything you want to add on that and and I will add to first inning double basis clearing double oh, as yeah. well um I mean I, I don't know Doing it all I don't know what you could say about that pitching performance and that per, just the player performance I told Alex last week, I said, you know, it's kind of crazy that it's possible that Shohei could actually one day hit for the cycle and pitch a perfect game in one game. And I told him, I think if he did that, he might he might gain think, like 20 percent of like MVP votes on just one performance. It, it, it would be something that would be of just just I no think, sports legend superstar would ever meet that one game performance that Shohei gave if that ever happened.
1: Right. Yeah. I think if if something like that happened in a single game, that's like the kind of day where for the rest of like baseball history it's like, oh that was this is Shohei Day, like blah blah blah. Like remember when he did that? That's so crazy. But yeah, uh all great points on Shohei. Um, you know the perfect game watch was a little bit like, you know, all the fans kind of realized, oh, he's through 4 perfect, he's through 5 perfect, and then the 6th inning perfect, and then of course Castro breaks things up um towards the end of the third time through the order. But Travis, um I have a question now. And I'm going to point out a few stats first and then we'll get into the question. Okay. So first off, comparing last year to this year, strikeout rates for pitchers is about the same. Comparing walk rates last year to this year, it's about the same. So strikeouts and walks, you know, pitchers or batters are kind of swinging the same way they swing. Yeah, That's all the same. ERA from last year to this year, league average went from 4.34 to this year right now, it's 3.97 is average. OPS last year is a 0.728. This year, right now, so far, it's a 0.675. So... It shows that walking and bat and walking and uh, strikeouts are about the same, but it feels like when they hit the ball, the pitchers are more favored this year than past years. Do you think, with this in mind, it's possible that we see a perfect game this year? And I just think that, based on the fact that we've had two close calls in the first couple weeks, I don't want to jump the gun here, but it seems like the pitchers are being favored by the ball this year in a big way in terms of balls in play and of course there's going to be times where a pitcher's throwing great and the ball just drops right where no one is that's going to happen of course that's going to happen every single game but do you think that based on the fact that it seems like the ball this year is producing worse results for hitters um do you think that based on how good we've seen some pitchers be already in kershaw and otani I don't want to, you know, say predict the perfect game, but do you think it could happen? I feel like I'm leaning towards, honestly, yes. Oh,
0: easily, easily, yeah. And it was funny. In Vegas, Alex, there was a... uh there was a yes and no, you could bet on the, uh, like a question. Caesars Palace had just tons of different questions, but one of them was saying, "Will there be a perfect game in 2022? I'm kind of upset that I didn't put so like, you know, at least five bucks on yes. Um, I know it's 50%, 50-50 kind of, but just the way you've seen these these couple of performances, Otani, Kershaw, uh, yesterday, I think is Bueller, had a, I think a three hitter uh, complete game. It might've been a complete game shutout. But yeah. I mean, we've seen such dominating performances so far um i feel like it's it's waiting to happen sometime this year uh of course i'd love to know who but uh you know i think it's it's something that is a very easy factor that could be that could that could definitely happen this year so i would easily lean yes it could happen
1: and and all the things I pointed out were based on like comparisons to last season. And a reminder that last season was the year of the no-hitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we're mm-hmm. talking about a year where the pitchers seem like they're even more favored. The pitchers are doing even better. Even though it's been a short sample size so far, the numbers are all saying the pitchers are having a really uh much easier time getting out and avoiding uh, you know, high slugging percentages from the batters. So I also think that it's uh I wouldn't say it's likely, but I think it's also very, very possible that um, we see some crazy kind of performance fall into place for someone. Um, I think it's definitely possible. Um, yeah, it's funny, like you said, the Caesars they have like that. I wish Manfred was like my uncle and he tells me he's gonna oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make the balls less juice this year, and then, and then you can go make bets and insider trading. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, my overall thought is. Um, Yeah, I think the pitching is going to continue to be really dominant until the league kind of, you know, changes things. I think that in like 2014, they kind of said that they they juiced the ball at the All-Star game or something like that. And then that kind of the batting got better and better until 2019 where the home runs were off the charts. And then they said, OK, we have to dial it back a bit. Ever since then, last or 2020, 21, 22, it's been more pitcher friendly, I think, ever since. So. I
0: wonder if the spider tack thing of last year, they wanted to favor pitchers a little bit more or kind of meet them in the middle. So I think
1: you're right that it went we deadened the ball there was like three there's like three no hitters and they said okay let's ban spider attack to kind of balance it out so the which pitchers, i which
0: i want to go back to spider attack and juice, ball. juice balls because yeah. I, it gives an advantage to the pitcher to see nasty pitches but it also gives the advantage to uh the hitters to just see long home runs i think that's just best for baseball i think that i think where we're at right now is kind of a, a deaden ball and no spider you know tack for the pitchers it kind of as a common fan, you're kind of just like, well, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see just long flyouts, you know.
1: I think 2019 was one of the most fun offensive like years, yeah. of, you know, of our life. So it was definitely, just crazy, definitely, definitely. So Travis, uh, we'll keep it moving now. That was a good little topic, but I think one thing we can discuss right now um, is. Now, Travis, something I want to discuss, I I guess we're just going to go through a few kind of smaller topics. I'm just going to get some of your like thoughts. You know, these are not things I kind of told you to prepare beforehand. I'm going to bring up some players or some different topics and we can kind of discuss, you know, these interesting things I'm noticing early on in the season here. So first up, Travis, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to ask you about Wander Franco. So Wander Franco, for those that, you know, I hope you know, but if you don't, 21 year old Ray... Uh, shortstop was a huge extension last offseason for the Rays and was the number one prospect in baseball for like over a year we just knew he was gonna be a beast when he gets called up so yeah he's 21 right now he debuted last season and just about half the season last season he already had a 3.5 war base offense war in that short of a time this year so far Travis he has started like a monster I see your eyes right now. You look concerned at how good he's been. I'll read off the stats right now. A 349 batting average so far in 15 games played. Tied for the AL lead in doubles with seven. A 365 on base. A 635 slugging. Good for a 999 OPS. A 203 OPS plus, because like we said, those the league average offense is down. So being at about a thousand OPS is even more impressive than it was maybe last year. Obviously. It's going to go down a bit, we assume, based on, you know, an amazingly hot start. Might cool off a bit at some point. But Travis, with Tatis injured right now, is there a case that Wander Franco is shortstop one in baseball right now? Could he be the number one guy? Just based off right here, right now, who do you want? Yeah, I'm already looking at the stats. Um, Alex, we're 16 games in, and this
0: guy's got a 1.3 war i mean nuts i mean i'm looking at that and i'm looking at career and he's got a 4.8 career war and he's played a total of 85 games he's played a half a season of his career and he almost has a five war and a five war at a full season is all-star worthy that is you know you're you're knocking on the mvp discussion but this is a half season um right now I, i think that that discussion is something that is uh is very appropriate to start having, you know, not saying anything about Tatis, Tatis does things that almost no one can do. But when you provide this much efficiency at the plate in the field on the base paths, um, you definitely warrant not the uh, you warrant the conversation to bring that up. So um, I just I, I remarkable I I didn't hear much about him this season. So far, he's I'm not saying he's a, he's a quiet player so far, but he plays for Tampa, not too many uh, headlines so far right now, Um, They're at Tampa's kind of a middle of the pack team right now, of course, in the first three weeks, but um, The numbers say it all. I mean, they are they are remarkable what I'm seeing, of course uh, When you look at, you know, like, you know, and again When you compare career numbers, it's only been 85 games. Um, The slugging has gone up tremendously this year, of course. It'll probably fade a little bit back down as, uh, of course, the season progresses like all numbers will, all percentage numbers. I don't know, Trout, if he's going to have a 1.1 OPS by the end of the season. He could, but, uh, you know, the the batting average is, you know— insane with of course with the on base as well slugging is up there a, a 600 slugging for a shortstop anytime is you you're you're already looking at like a hall of fame track uh and that's what Wander franco is doing right now with the ops and the ops plus numbers as well so um just a remarkable remarkable start and um the raise he's of course getting paid he's getting paid 100 and uh guaranteed 180 2 million dollars for 11 years so of course he's happy razor happy but in 5 years i really wonder if wander franco is going to be happy because he might be saying to himself i'm a superstar and i should be getting you know i should be getting 400 million dollars right now but sure. you know that of course you know take the money and run with it that's definitely of course a safe bet um I think most people would say $182 million is pretty similar to $400 million. You know, you're going to be a very rich man forever. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, what what a crazy, crazy start, Alex. Um, I'm shocked.
1: Yeah, uh, it's super nuts uh, that he's, you know, had such a good half season last year and has pretty much one up in every stack category so far. One thing I also think is really interesting um People were saying how good his hit tool was. They're saying he's like the best hit tool as a prospect they've ever seen. Just the context on their level. And it's really showing because, Travis, 66 plate appearances so far this season, only five strikeouts. And this is someone who also has two walks. So overall, just able to... Really, his MO is really putting the ball in play. He's not one of these – he's he's like an anti-Gallo, right? Gallo, yeah. Yeah. almost every at-bat is a walk yeah. or a strikeout. Whereas, or a home run. <laughs> w- w- which is – and then for, for Franco, it's none of his at-bats. Yeah. Only yeah. seven of his 60-something are a walk or a strikeout. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting the 349 average will surely come down a bit but he's someone Travis who right now I'm kind of kicking myself he would have been a nice bet for the batting title oh yeah um going into the season if we kind of thought he'd be ready to go this young he's a very different player from Tatis Tatis of course is a bit more power gonna be more strikeouts um but probably also more of a threat in the base pass because Tatis has been like a 30 steel guy before but I'm very interested to see it when they're both healthy and both clicking It'll be a really fun conversation to say who right now is uh, 1A in the shortstop conversation. But right now with Tatis out and Travis, almost every big shortstop free agent that we were kind of looking at in the offseason has kind of kind of rocky start. Yeah. Correa, Seager, both a bit rocky at certain points um Samien was was really weak uh not too long ago story had a bit of a rough start in boston as well but franco obviously not a free agent but he, he's someone who's kind of i feel like he leaped them all and they all might he have did. been they all might have been ahead of him he did yeah. um going into the season but so far he's proving that he is in that top top tier of shortstop so really cool storyline to kind of keep track of wander franco when someone's number one overall you know they're going to be great but um he is being great already in such a short amount of time Travis, I'm going to switch it over. I'm going to keep it moving. Another small little topic I want to bring up is Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo has had a great start to his season. But what I really want to look at is the trade that put him in Miami because he is someone who – Always I feel like even since twenty nineteen, he was like on or, or earlier, was on prospect boards. Yep. He even had like a like a prospect card in the show in like yeah. twenty nineteen. Future like,
0: star, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. We knew so he was gonna be big.
1: We knew he'd be we knew he'd be a really good pitcher at some point. I guess there were some concerns at some point in the minors, maybe, but I I just cannot believe that Oakland traded him for like sixty games of Starling Marte. I mean, and I respect going for Marte because the A's are the team that probably never gets the I mean, they don't have the mindset let's grab this star piece for this playoff run and they should but giving up lazardo as the price is really unbelievable so so far um i'm looking here a 3.77 era which is not mind blowing but some of his other stats have been super super impressive um i have some right here i guess just uh 2 days ago he threw 5 and a third inning two hitter one earned 8 Ks only four walks A third of his uh, balls in play were ground outs. 39% of the uh, pitches he threw were either called strikes or swings and misses. 18 whiffs on the day. And that's 87 pitches. So a really great performance for him. Um, Overall, Travis, he also had a great outing against the Angels, I believe, when when, when he came to Anaheim. So a couple good performances under his belt already this season. Um, I think the ceiling is very high. And it's looking like so far this season, the floor is probably pretty high too so um overall this is the kind of guys the A's would want to have and i really just can't believe that they traded him for you know like i said 60 days of stalling Marte, and then now they just don't have this like young ace that they could be developing right now in their rebuild but give me your thoughts on him and i guess that deal in hindsight now
0: yeah it happened also in i think it was 2014 you know oakland traded for john lester the biggest pitching name on the market um they end up you know becoming a they they were the second wild card team of course they had to go play in kansas city 2014 lost the game john lester of course after that leaves departs so basically a's of course you know love the aggressiveness i'm not saying that's bad at all they made it the playoffs and almost made it to be uh the, the division series but um you just kind of you kind of look at some of these moves and and you just want to be you know you you really got to think about it because I think everyone could say the A's even with Marte and with these other guys are they going to be a huge threat to of course win the division and make a strong push in the playoffs probably not and of course they did not they would they finished third didn't make the playoffs 86 wins and now you look at this guy who would have been a very nice piece to have to almost you know start this rebuilding process Jesus Lizardo three, four years from now could be just one of those, uh, you know, just sneaky, good left-handed pitchers. Um, that is, you know, a top tier one or two guy. And, you know, the A's could really use that in in a couple of years. We'll see. Time will tell, but it's just kind of funny how, you know, I've seen this kind of story in the past with the A's where, you know, they kind of want to make a big trade. They want to make a big move. And then of course it kind of comes to bite them. Um, that deal, of course, they sent, uh, Cespedes to Boston. So of course he was already a, bona fide piece, um, you know, guy that already had a lot of, uh, you know, experience in the bigs. They sent him to Boston for John Lester, but this time they're sending one of their top prospects in Luzardo uh, to Miami. And of course, Miami is really happy with the trade. I think that that trade we were talking about at remember last year, we, of course, we're saying it's a win for both teams, but I of course, think it's a bigger win for Miami because if they get a good starting piece to go with Sixto Sanchez. Uh, I think it's Edward Cabrera, uh, Sandy Alcantara, yeah, Pablo I mean, Lopez. I mean,
1: Max Mayer, I think Miami right is... now
0: is is sitting at the two spot in the NL East, which is kind of surprising. But they're a team that will stay in it. And I think we both talked about it a couple weeks ago. They're a team that right now that really could finish in, you know, a 500- category of baseball so yep. uh Miami is really hungry this year they got good pitching good pitching still coming up uh throughout the system so uh really good look right now so far for Miami they are proving that
1: they uh they they like and they won the deal <laughs> yeah I think that's I think that's a good analysis it's a cool comparison to the Lester trade I, I I respect them going for it but since their philosophy the A's is never really about re-signing the guys they trade right like when when, like, uh, let's say, like, when Rizzo gets traded to the Yankees, we know there's a chance the Yankees can re-sign him, you know? Yeah. But the A's are never going to re-sign that guy they trade for, which is just kind of—I guess that's why they don't really make those trades, but— If they had years with Marte,
0: if they had three years with Marte, then, of course, you could say, cool, this is a good trade. And, of course, we're have we we not going to trade Olsen or Chapman or we're not going to trade Minaya. All these guys we're still going to have next year we will come back out again and, and prove to everybody that, uh you know, we are a bona fide good team. But, of course, Marte left— there's no shot in getting him back, like you said. And then, of course, they said to themselves, we better just get everyone else out of here. So,
1: Yeah, unfortunate life for the A's fans out there listening. But, um, you know, I think that uh, the Marlins really kind of walked away with a the steal there because it's not like Starling was going to really help them win a lot of games in that last 60-game stretch. So, I mean, it's good for them. And uh, I, I I just keep thinking it's going to age better and better as time goes on for, for Miami. But, uh, Travis, next topic here um, – this is kind of uh, I I don't want to like uh, bash on him, but I feel like I need to have a conversation about Yadi Molina. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up this this tweet that I saw, and essentially, Yadi's backup catcher is someone named I think it's pronounced uh, I think it's Kisner, I think it's Kisner. Kisner. Um, so Kisner, this is a tweet of is through the first 14 games of the season. Kisner was batting 318 with a home run and a 920 OPS. Yachty was batting 160 with no homers, no ribbies, and a 320 OPS. So batting-wise, not even close to a comparison. In the games where Yachty started, this is a couple days ago. He was there were four and four in the game's kisner started they were five and one and i believe just yesterday they blew a big lead the 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 cardinals did and Yadi started that game and he ended up getting subbed out for a pinch runner but that just makes makes it i think it's be four and five for yadi and kisner would be five and one i think Mm -hmm. so overall do you think the cardinals um are gonna be able to if it if, if it proves to stay this way, be able to bench Yadi and give him severely less starts on this last year of his of his contract. They just paid him a bit to stick around for the season. Um, do you think they're going to have the, the the guts to, I guess, bench the franchise legend, someone who, who they want to be a Hall of Famer someday? Are they going to be worried about his legacy um, if they sit him down in favor of trying to win games? What do you think about that?
0: It'll be a sour taste, um but I think if you want to win, you're going to have to do that. And I, I think that the Cardinals might be kind of just caught up in the Yadier or Molina, Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright reunion. Adam Wainwright's still, of course, pitching well but you know Molina and Pujols um I think there's there comes a time where you have to tell them you know we want to win as a team but we also want to do what's best for the team as well and that might be you guys are gonna have to take some breaks and sit on the bench uh more times than you'd like we of course need to prepare for the future after the season Molina Pujols you're off the books we need to have, a you know, a fresh catcher coming in to take over for that. My, I, I It's funny because I think MLB, Net, MLB Network, MLB, you know, Twitter accounts, they always highlight, they always show defensive, uh, you know, plays from Molina. You know, oh, Molina threw out another guy at, at you know, at second base. His like, arm the, is good. The, 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 the arm is good. No, of course, of course. But it, it's funny how they always point to that. I'm looking at the hitting numbers right now, Alex, and I don't know if ever, you know, he's 10 games in and his slash line is 156, 156. 156 so it's kind of funny Yikes. that literally he's just hitting singles he's got five total bases on the season no uh, walks no walks ops plus in the negatives so hitting is almost hurting the team than helping the team um so that's something that needs to get of course uh figured out if he wants to you know be i guess still a uh a, a quality uh uh contributor for the rest of the season he's of course a guy that you know there was a tweet a couple days ago that kept on saying you know it it gave um one of the Twitter accounts I'm trying to remember, they kind of just said, you know, here are your, here are your, you know, without a doubt, Hall of Fame list. You know, I think oh, it was yeah. like seven guys, and a, a lot of the comments were, of course, coming back at saying, "Where's Molina? Where's melina I, I do. We had that conversation a couple months back. I do think Molina will be in Cooperstown one day. I don't think it's just a slam dunk Hall of Fame for him because, for me, slam dunk is you're getting in the first two years, like. You are for sure lock in those two first two years, Molina. I don't think he'll be a first for sure lock in the first two years. I could see him getting in in year five or something like that. But um, yeah, it's something that definitely needs to get figured out. And I think that he wants to win, and I think Pujols wants to win. Those guys want to win, so you got to do what's kind of best for the team. So um, and hopefully they're not going to be the kind that's going to be you know upset or you know not wanting to listen to the you know instructions or or the the manager's orders um that i think would create some uh some definite problems with uh with that organization with that, at least with the talent they've got so far um maybe they want to keep melina in there and say you know what we're just going for the defensive look with melina right now we don't really care about his offensive numbers but it is a concern if you have a backup catcher that's doing a lot better um you know you want to put that kind of stuff. you want to you want to put those kind of players in there but uh it will be a conversation that might need to happen with the uh with the cardinals so far uh with the season so far
1: yeah i i really think that the best course for him, like both legacy wise and for winning now, become the mentor. You know, yeah. become the mentor to Kisner. Um,
0: We've heard that mentor mentorship role too much in the last couple of years. Yeah, and, yeah. We,
1: we we. But the thing is, Albert
0: in <laughs> Albert
1: Albert was always kind of viewed as the mentor who um still wanted all that playing time. I guess, and I think if if they can accept the <laughs> mentor role as like the priority um before the playing time i think it can still you know yadi is so much so viable to a young catcher um or just to a, to a pitching staff um for, even from the bench as he is out in the field so overall travis uh i agree with you i think those conversations may need to be had but for the time being um i guess we'll kind of wait for the see how the cardinals keep doing currently they're leading the division yeah. so yeah no panic button on anything you know for them but um if they do want to be that the World Series contender that they probably could be in their peak version of themselves, they probably have to start thinking about that uh, going forwards. Next little topic here, Travis, um, it's going to be a little bit a game of guess the player. I'm going to read you some stats, <laughs> and you can tell me if you think you can figure out who I'm talking about. Um, if you don't get him, it's okay. It's just something that we can kind of highlight this player and say what a great start you've had. This is a starting pitcher. Um I'll give you the stats and then we can go for like maybe a couple hints um if needed. So the stats starting off this season, .9 baseball offense for as a starting pitcher has 3 games started, 2 wins, no losses, 1.06 ERA. I like that. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> 17 innings pitched, only 11 hits allowed, 2 earned runs 2 earned runs allowed. No homers allowed. Only two walks issued, so been very efficient in the strike zone. Um, that's good for a 3.87 ERA plus and actually leads the National League in FIP. Um, leads all of baseball in home runs per nine because he's allowed none. Um, overall, just great numbers across the board. Over 13 strikeouts per nine innings. Any ideas? If not, we can give you the hint on like the, the team and uh, other stuff too, the age and stuff like that.
0: Well, I'm gonna think you said three starts so far, so he must be a like you know top of the rotation kind of guy. Um, I know a guy; he's been doing good for fantasy for me right now. Um, I'm gonna go Carlos Rodon.
1: Oh, that's a good guess, but that is not the case. <laughs> that is not the case. NL Rod- guy though. Rod, it is an NL guy. Rodon is someone who um, deserves highlights and praise, but this guy is a bit less of a household name as Mm -hmm. Rodon. This guy plays for the defending World Series champions. I'll give you that hint. Wow. Still scratching your head. I mean, I'm thinking Max Fried or Ian Anderson. It's not Morton. Nope. So another hint, I don't know if you remember. Um, I believe this is the pitcher that gave up like that eleven run or whatever it was first inning against the Dodgers in that in the twenty twenty Texas series. You know what oh, yeah, I am talking about? Yeah, yeah. His name is Kyle Wright. Kyle so Wright. Kyle Wright was a prospect for them, and he had a really rough start with that with that uh, playoff appearance. Mm-hmm. This season so far, Travis, he's been utterly dominant. Um, like I said, a one point zero six ERA and the two wins of course um a bright spot going forwards in the Braves rotation if he can kind of keep this kind of stuff up um not a free agent until 2027 so him anderson freed if they could become the next big thing for them in the next few years they can continue contending it's it's i'm jealous of how they have all this all these young players that are kind of similar age to Acuña and Albies they're going to be able to keep kind of aging all, all same with contracts them. yeah yeah <laughs> so um overall uh any thoughts on on Wright? i guess this breakout and you know we hope to see it continue these good performances but um it's really cool to see i guess a fresh face with to the top of a lot of these leaderboards yeah because when you think
0: brace pitching you think of course morton freed Ian anderson those are the big three uh three dogs of the rotation kyle wright uh you're right definitely remember him from uh you know 2020 um giving up some uh giving up a lot of runs in in some of those starts uh you know always was kind of the, the five or six guy in that rotation but yeah good start for him so far i'm looking at numbers right now and that's that's really impressive with the era um the strikeouts all that kind of stuff the whip um it's looking so good right now that uh you know he, he's looking like the guy that probably is going to lead that uh that rotation staff right now i think for morton's been just rough the pr- first couple starts and then i think freed had a very uh rough start so far had a good game against the dodgers kind of got things back on track but of course the pitching on the on the uh on the atlanta side has been been kind of uh it's been kind of you know hit and miss here or there uh but i I mean again i'm sure these guys are going to pick it up i'm sure kyle wright will not finish with a 1.06 era you know of course you always like to like to talk about that in the first month but uh good start for him he's definitely earned a spot in this rotation for the year probably right now so uh definitely nice to see him do that
1: yeah, definitely. And and he's someone, if you're at home listening and you're in a fantasy league and your, your league is snoozing on him because he, he's not a big name, go grab Kyle Wright, of course. I mean, I tried to add him a, a couple, say, a couple days him? ago. <laughs> I tried a couple days ago, and he was unfortunately already taken. Um, our league is, is kind of on top of things in in some ways on the, on the waiver wire, but I'm sure he did not go drafted in your league if you're playing at home. And so um, if he's not been grabbed yet, go ahead and pull that trigger. He's uh, been off to a really hot start. Um okay Travis now we can switch over to covering the top 10 MLB official power rankings that were mm-hmm. released just yesterday on Monday today being Tuesday of course um Travis it's almost like we cannot get one of these where we don't have some issue with it right of it's course, a, it's just of course, yeah. just the way that it goes but um I'll go ahead and read off the 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 teams that they ranked in their top 10 we'll give our input our analysis and then we'll go from there. So, in the number 1 spot, they have LA Dodgers, number 2 spot, Toronto Blue Jays. That's tops of their of their respective leagues, those two teams. Then third it's the Mets, fourth it's the Giants, fifth it's the Cardinals, sixth it's the Tampa Bay Rays, seventh the Yankees, eighth is the Padres, ninth is the Brewers and 10th is the Seattle Mariners. Travis when you look at this list what's the first thing that stands out
0: i mean of course the seattle mariners yes. uh that
1: have to be the one one thing that stands out the most
0: um uh, you know white Sox, no astros teams that you would want to see or you, at least we were definitely talking about being in the in the top five of our preseason uh power rankings they're not on this list of course they're struggling so of course they should not be on this list but um most teams on here i don't have a huge problem with i guess with the order you can definitely make a case but at least the top nine teams, I'm comfortable with th- saying those are the top nine teams. The order might be a little bit different for me than it is for the power rankings that they're making. Um, but yeah, the Mariners, of course, very good series against the Texas Rangers. And I'm trying to think that, oh, I, I'm trying to think the next series they had. But the teams they've been playing so far, they're not, you know they're not really you know up up upper 500 teams or teams that are elite have proven to be elite in seasons past so that's my first statement with them the record of course is very nice it right now leads the al west but i think there's i think there's a half game over the angels yeah. exactly i think there's some other cases for other teams to uh to jump in there and uh be be more of a powerful threat as a full team than the uh than the seattle mariners right now so uh Again, these things come out every week and it's always just, you know, I, I think it's always just kind of a, a a good little laugh every Monday that you see these rankings. You get to always, uh, you know, get spike the debate with uh, thousands of other baseball fans or, you know, people that think they know the game, but they just they just give you the biggest crap list yeah. you can ever think about but uh but yeah of course it, it, it's it's going to be something that's going to happen on a weekly basis that we're going to see with these power rankings but uh but yeah so,
1: <laughs> so just going over what they've done since last week kind of like you know the power rankings get updated kind of on a weekly basis so since last week they won a series over texas which is of course Solid for them, but Texas is a team we expect to have a losing record, and then they swept the Kansas City Royals, and this was all at home. So yeah. a sweep on the Royals um, with the last game happening in extra innings, you know, I mean, you're winning games, so I'm not gonna bash for that, but um, just not like the high level wins that I thought would be able to kind of put them on this list so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure who I'd have there instead, because it really depends on your philosophy. We talked about this before. Uh, do you want your power rankings to be just who's the best in terms of the first 13 games? Yeah. Or do you want it to be the team that's the best through, like, um, based on what we know from this first, like, two, three weeks, um, what has this informed us about where these teams will finish, right? I think that's how I always view it. Like, I would have the Astros here just because even though right now they have a losing record... Yeah. So they might go down on my list because I think before they were probably third or fourth or something like that. They'd probably be like ninth or tenth on my list. But I still feel very confident about them making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And if that's my mindset, why are they going to be off my list? Because I, I think, that, way, I think yeah. that they are a top ten team in baseball, even if their record does not reflect that. Right. So yeah. it's really about if, – if we're out here just ranking records – then that's one thing. But I don't think that's what the goal is, right? Because when the first month of last season, we saw the Kansas City Royals yeah. being on everyone's power rankings. Um, even though I'm, They probably made one of my power rankings back then, I'm sure. But um, I'm just trying to avoid giving big praise to a team that's kind of having a really hot streak when we know it's not going to last. And Travis, the Mariners could... I mean, it's not impossible. They could win the division. So I'm not yeah. trying to write them off completely. I just think that... Um, their strength of schedule has not been super impressive to me. Uh, they did play Houston and, one, I believe, won a series, which the Angels also did. Um, and then they kind of split uh, They split a lot of games with, uh, uh, with the Minnesota, lost a series to Chicago White Sox. So overall, I mean, I think they've had a, a solid start to their season, um, but I don't think they've really done anything to separate themselves from a team like the Angels in their own division or if I'm looking at just the overall standings um for the american or for the i guess all of mlb there's just other teams that i think um deserve similar credit i mean the rockies have like the same record and i'm not saying the rockies shouldn't make it because um i've definitely projected them to miss the playoffs but it just kind of like you know i'm very i'm very interested to see what's the criteria the mlb uses um I actually think uh, we won't get into all like the 11 through 30, but I do think that they ranked the Rockies 15th, 15th for their hot, yeah, hot streak. Yeah, and I think yeah. the Angels are at 17th. Seventeen, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I, we, this isn't the Angels podcast, but they're our team and we like to talk about them quite a bit. What's your reaction to – I it seems to me like <laughs> like disrespect, right? Angels have, Angels have had missing games for Mike Trout so far yeah, on a stomach bug. Stomach bug yeah. Missing games for Anthony Rendon um already had like to rearrange our starters once or twice already had you know marsh just missed the weekend uh or, or i guess yeah last weekend of of games it's almost like um we've already had to go through it a bit on some of this il stuff yep. fletcher of course has missed about half the season so far yep um already calling guys up and all that stuff but Despite it all, a winning record so far, a half a game behind the Mariners, but seven spots behind them in the power rankings below a team like the Rockies, who we all know has no shot of postseason, really hopes. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I
0: would have thought they would have had the Angels a little bit higher because the Angels went into Houston without Mike Trout and took two of three. Shohei with the pitching performance that was so far, you know, one of the most elite performances this season uh, against a team of that offense of power in the astros so um i think of course the Orioles series now of course i'll admit to that oriole series was just very disappointing we lost the series two to two to three two games out of uh out of three we lost to the orioles the th- actually the third game we did win we looked awful. We, we, I mean, we, we had a great six run first inning. After that, it was just almost Orioles baseball the whole way through ended up edging that win though seven, six, but it was one of those wins where, um, I think even Noah Syndergaard actually tweeted out saying, uh, today we like, we we know we can do better. Like today, today is not a good win. Like today is a win that you're, you're happy you got, but at the same time it needs to be a more convincing win, especially with that start that you guys put out there with the grand slam and all that stuff. Um, but I definitely think the Angels should be, of course, higher. I, I, I see your point. Rockies, I think right now have a better record possibly than or what better winning percentage than the Angels. But of course, would you say the Rockies are a better team than the Angels? I, of course, would say absolutely not. When it comes down to the long term run, I guarantee the Angels will be a better team and will have a better record. Um, and will show you know more more power streaks than, than than the Colorado Rockies same thing of course with the Red Sox and a couple of these teams that are higher than them right now the Guardians are actually on top of them right now 16 or uh, the Angels are 17 um, and it was funny they actually got swept by the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium so it's interesting to see that the Guardians are uh are actually a- ahead of the angels even though they got swept by the yankees at yankee stadium so there's a lot of things that i want to look at in that you know why why they rank these ways you know here or there but um you know, most people are not just gonna get upset. I think I think their main goal is to just get that percentage of fans just to like just start going crazy on on social media and just to start these conversations that are just going endless. So um they did their part right then and there. But like I said, I think the top nine teams with you know, I'm looking at Padres, Brewers, Yankees, Rays, Cardinals, uh, Giants, Mets, Blue Jays, and Dodgers. I'm not really, of course, upset with that top nine um you know and of course that's a pretty good list so far the mariners being 10 that of course could be you know talked about astros and white Sox being below the mariners i definitely would think that those two teams would be above them even though they have hit their struggles but of course um I again I astros it seems like they're just going you know way 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 far back um and they played a tough series this past weekend with the blue jays and so that's me of course is going to be something that needs to be noted that they need to be Uh, higher on this list they went from four to 12 so a huge drop for the astros which kind of seems unfair for playing uh you know the angels then having a break then of course playing the toronto blue jays at home um so again i think the astros should definitely be above the mariners that's one team uh but we'll see about next week how these things kind of shape up but yeah again these things come out and i'm just always waiting for the good laugh so we got it
1: yeah that's a a good point um my last bit on it will be um, this fan graphs uh, mlb playoff odds projections that they do um it's organized by division and it kind of shows um just based on their numbers which are you know very advanced and it's not the end all be all they, they don't have a fortune teller but these very advanced projections saying what are you, these teams odds based on the first uh based on of course the preseason and like all the acquisitions and then also based off what we've seen so far this season in terms of your record and your different performances and the 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 final scores of these games it gives you the winning division up probability and then the making the playoffs probability and the winning the world series probability by their estimation so right now uh just because i was talking about the al west earlier uh i'll i'll Say now, they have the Astros at a 55% chance to still win the division. The Angels have the second-best odds by their standards of a 26.2% chance, Mariners at a 17.1% chance, and then Rangers at a 1%, Athletics at a 0.5%. So um, making the playoffs chances for the AL West, Astros is 70 over 78%. Angels, they actually have a. We'll be happy to hear this. a Fifty-six percent chance to make the playoffs oh. by Fangraphs. Forty-one point four percent for Mariners. So they definitely think there's a chance that you know both of us could grab a wild card spot, or maybe at least one of us will um, be fighting the other one for it. And then uh, also looking Astros have an over an eight percent chance to win the world series by their estimation that is only worse than blue jays and yankees out of all al teams so if you're a top three if you're a top three in your league to win the win the world series um by fan graphs i would expect that team would be on my top 10 uh, power rankings even though their record right now is just seven and nine so um and then just keep looking around some more, more interesting things um some of the highest make playoff odds, Dodgers right now, a 12-4 record, uh, a 96.6% <laughs> chance to make the playoffs by their standards. Um, the Blue Jays with their 11-6 record, up at a 94% chance to make the playoffs. The Yankees, a 10-6 and record, uh, almost a 90% chance to make the playoffs. Um, the Rays and Red Sox both um, still just right around 50% to make the playoffs. Um, I guess they're probably assuming one of them grabs a wild card spot, other one might not. Um, but yeah, Travis. Overall, um, some very. Fu- it's. It, I enjoy looking at these kind of things because, um, you know, I don't fully know what goes into their rankings or their their odds makers, but I definitely trust it more than you know whatever panels kind of picking the MLB yep. top tens or the, or the or the thirty team rankings um, mid season. I definitely kind of trust some of the. The advanced numbers that are kind of you know crunching some numbers behind the scenes. It, poor, poor Rockies and D-backs both at a 0.0% chance to win their division. But that's kind of a fact that we all kind of understood going Easy, into the season. Yeah. But but yeah, overall, Travis, uh, I do enjoy looking at this stuff, so I thought I'd shout it out. But that pretty much wraps up this whole episode, Travis. Anything else we got to go over or are we good to go? Nothing else. Just getting ready for uh, month of April to be
0: over. May will start. And uh, I think we've had the same conversation last year where – now, of course, you'll see the teams that are real hopefully start to kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Uh, we always referenced last year, the Royals, they were hot right now, but of course, come May, they started to fizzle out. And of course, they finished in the bottom of the, uh, of the American League Central Divisions. And then of course, last year, we thought the Giants were going to fizzle out every month. We're thinking that they're going to fizzle out and they just continue to prove us wrong. Um, Looking to see which team this year might be able to do that uh, to us where they just keep on playing well and, you know, do never back away. Uh, throughout the whole season but yeah it, it'll get interesting now that the first month is over um, and we can kind of finally get on to the I, I guess like April was kind of delayed a little bit with the lockout and now May will be a nice fresh start everyone kind of knew the May schedule so far so that'll be good for uh, for baseball to get through and and uh, to kind of get start getting into the days of summer and uh, yeah have a good start for the first half
1: yeah uh, we'll put we'll put uh, pretty much wraps up this whole episode uh we made it this far thanks so much we appreciate your listens you know like and subscribe the whole deal we'll talk to you guys next week presented by tool tools podcast <laughs> <laughs>